What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Buenos dias. Bienvenidos a la casa de Dios. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. If you're tuning with us online, I thank you so much for checking us out online. Whether that be on YouTube, our website, our podcast, wherever you're checking us out at, Thank you so much for listening. I see the numbers continually growing every week on our podcast. So if you're a podcast listener, thank you for staying with us and hanging with us and spending a little bit of time with us. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church and I'm right here in Jackson, Missouri. And we are going to be continuing our series today from Jacob to Israel, which we kind of paused on last week. And so now we're going to continue picking that up. Last week we talked a lot about God's love and our purpose as Christians behind our faith, what we've got going on with God's love. This week we're going to continue our series from Jacob to Israel with part four. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 30. If you want to put your finger there, we are going to be talking about this topic. The tribes begin. The tribes begin because we're going to begin seeing, and I know we started with a few of the sons last week, I think four of them last week, but where we get in scripture, the 12 tribes of Israel, those sons are being born. And this week we're going to zero in on the next, well, if we had four, you subtract four from 11, seven, the next seven sons that are born to Jacob. So reading our key passage though real quick, which is in Jeremiah chapter one, verses four through eight. It says this, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth for you shall go to all to whom I send you and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Let's pray this morning and we'll get started with this message. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you for those here in my presence, those tuning online, wherever they may be. I ask right now that you begin to speak your words through me, that they would not be my own this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jeremiah 1. That's a powerful passage of scripture, especially when you think about the fact that before you were even put in your mom's womb, God had a plan for your life. And we see Jeremiah's plan here. God told him, you're going to be a prophet. I've already planned it. Before you were in your mother's womb, I planned that you were going to be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah, we've talked about here, he's like a 13-year-old kid, 13 to 15, they believe, somewhere in there. And he's standing there like, God, uh, how am I going to talk to the nations? I'm a youth. And God said, Don't say I'm a youth. Don't give me excuses. I believe God's telling us that in many of our lives because we always come up with an excuse as to why we can't do what God would like for us to do. And God's saying, don't give me the excuses. Don't say I'm a youth. 
For you shall go to all I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. In other words, he's going to speak through Jeremiah. No one's going to be able to argue with Jeremiah's word. There are going to be people that reject it. But when God speaks the truth, it doesn't change. It continues. It goes on. And he says, whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces. That's many of us in this society, right? We look around and a lot of us are just too scared to talk about Jesus because we're afraid of what people might think about us, right? Jeremiah, God's saying, don't be afraid of their faces. Don't be afraid of their critics. Don't be afraid of those comments they're going to throw your way. Because if I told you to do it, guess what? It's going to come to pass. The Lord says, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. So God will always be by your side when you're walking in his will. Now, here's the deal. You got to figure out what's my will and what's God's will. That's a big question on many people's lives. Well, what is God's will for me? Well, I can't tell that to you. Only you can determine what that will is. You have to talk to God. You have to pray with God. You have to spend time in your word with God. All of these things are important in order for you to fulfill the destiny God has for your life. Today, we're going to be talking about the tribes begin. The tribes begin. Let's begin here in Genesis 30. We'll just start reading there in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 30. We're going to read through verse 8 here real quick at the beginning. It says, Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel. And he said, Am I in the place of God whom has withheld you from the fruit of the womb? And she said, Here is my maid, Bilhah. Go into her and she will bear a child on my knees. That I also may have children by her. Sound familiar? Let's keep reading verse 4. Then she gave birth to Bil or she gave him Bilhah, her maid, as wife, and Jacob went into her. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. And Rachel said, God has judged my case and has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan. And Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again and bare Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, with great wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. Wow. All right. Now, here's the deal. We've been kind of looking over the last few weeks that we've been on this series. The dysfunction in this family. Anybody ever heard that term? Dysfunctional family. You hear it a lot in this society. You know what? Here's the truth, and I am not trying to downgrade. I know there's abuse, there's physical abuse, there's emotional abuse. Those types of things are there. I do agree with that. But I don't know a family that's not dysfunctional. We've all got our hangups. We've all got our issues. We've all got our things that we do. And Jacob's family, we're finding as we go through this series, is no different. His wives are constantly fighting. About, oh, I got to one-up my sister. I got to do this. I got to do that. And now Leah, we found out last time, had four sons. The uh, last one being Judah. And now Rachel's sitting around thinking, my sister's got sons. And she, she takes it out to Jacob. Remember what she said to him at the beginning? Give me children or I'm going to die. Basically is what she was saying to him. Jacob's like, am I God? I'm not the one that puts that in your womb. God is the one that allows that to happen. Am I in the place of God is what he asked her that who, who has withheld you from the fruit of the womb. Now, here's the deal. In this day, 
The reason, the reason Rachel is so furious is because in this day, if you were barren, it was just assumed you did something, secret sins, and God didn't like it, so he didn't give you kids. That's what the assumption was. Whether it was fact or not in every situation, I don't know. But the assumption was always that. So in other words, Rachel right now has got a name that's a bad name because she's still barren. Her sister's done and bore four kids to her husband. Children, especially sons, in this day, that was something to talk about. You had sons, that meant you were in the favor of God. That means you had someone to carry on the family name. All of these things are important. So now Leah has four sons, and Rachel is sitting here wondering, why haven't I had kids? So do you notice something else, though, as we go through that scripture? We notice the old familiar obstacle of barrenness continues to be an endemic in the line of Terah. Who is Terah? Terah was Abraham's dad. All right? So since Abraham, remember Sarai? Changed later to Sarah. Hadn't had any kids. She was barren. This seems to become a routine here. But the responses are all just a little bit different. We notice that Abraham responded to the barrenness of Sarah by simply patient faith. He believed it was going to happen. He believed it was going to come to pass. He just had to have patience and faith to see it come to pass. Because if God had promised him a nation, like he had, then it was going to come to pass. So he, he, he responded with patient faith. Isaac responded to Rebecca. Remember, Rebecca was barren. Isaac responds to Rebecca's barrenness with prayer. 20 years later, after they were married, he had kids, the twins, Jacob and Esau. Now we notice that the tension has grown so much in this family. Let me just read this real quick. Given the context of tension, conflict, and jealousy, it is perhaps no surprise that Rachel's condition leads to angry frustration. Consequently, Rachel, as Sarah had before her, encourages Jacob to resort to her handmaid to provide a child to their marriage through a surrogate. Now, here's, the, here's what's going on here. You notice as you look back, we just talked about Sarah and Abraham. What was Sarah's response, Sarai at the time, to Abraham not having kids yet? She said, well, here's my handmaid. I'm too old to have kids. That was her assumption. So just, you know, take her, make her your wife, have kids through her, right? We notice the same thing happening here where Rachel is resorting to thinking, I've got to have kids of some sort. I've got to try to vindicate is the name or the word they like to use there or to try to make my name look better. I've got to have some sons, right? So she says, here, take my handmaid, just like it was with Sarah and Abraham. The parallels there are unique. And she says, take my handmaid, I'll perhaps have kids through her. Now, not only that, she does bear him a son, Bilhah does, and they name his name Dan. Now, Dan, we, talk, we like talking about the meanings of those names. Dan means to judge. You notice uh, Rachel's response when she has her first kid. She gives up, I think it's verse 4, she gave Bilhah her maid as wife. And verse 5, Bilhah conceived and bore a son. Verse 6, then Rachel said, God has judged my case. So always, it seems, as these kids are coming out, the Bible pretty much interprets what their names mean. So in this case, Dan means to judge. What Sarah is saying, God has judged my case, and he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan. Now, here's what happens. Bilhah, her handmaid, conceives again. So she gets two, right? 
What was the second one's name? The second one's name, as we go there, was Naphtali. Rachel's naming of the son Dan indicates that she feels vindicated by his birth. In other words, she feels a little bit redeemed. Back to Dan for a second. She feels a little bit redeemed now because she can say, well, this is my son. because This is my handmaid, right? So the handmaid serves me. So, you know, I know she's his wife. So now he's got three wives, right? And the handmaid uh, is mine, though, so I can claim it as mine. So Rachel names him Dan, thinking that she feels vindicated for his birth. Because in those days, as we just talked about, if you were barren, you were thought as suffering punishment because of secret sins. What does Naphtali mean? Naphtali is born. Let's take a look at what Sarah says about Naphtali. Or Rachel, I'm sorry. Rachel said, with great wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister. And indeed, I have prevailed. She's talking about the fights. These two were constantly at it. Now, as I'm reading this, now maybe it's just me. I'm thinking, poor Jacob. All right? But at the same time, you got to remember, Jacob's getting what was coming to him because of what, how he lived the years before, right? So now he's got two wives. They're always fighting. One gives her a handmaid. They're, they're constantly quarreling, but we notice that conflict continually building, and Jacob's kind of caught in the middle. We're going to find out more about that in a second, but Rachel's going to Jacob. Give me a son. Naphtali means struggle or my wrestling. She was talking about the wrestling with her sister. That's what the scripture told us there. They were quarreling. They were fighting all the time. Dysfunctional. It's a dysfunctional family. Just like all of our families. Now, maybe more, more extreme on some families than others. But we're all a little bit dysfunctional. There's all things we've got going on. There's little kinks in our perfect family, right? If you find a perfect family, let me know. I would love to meet them. It's not going to happen. Genesis 30, continuing there in verse 9. Here's what it says. When Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to Jacob as wife. Here we go again. And Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, a troop comes. And she called his name Gad. And Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, I am happy for the daughters will call me blessed. And she called his name Asher. Leah goes through her own period of infertility. Remember, at the end of when she had Judah, she stopped bearing is what it said. Now here, it's talking about she's noticing that Rachel has had two more sons through her handmaid, Bilhah. And she's like, well, I got to do something. So what does she do? Instead of, you know, praying like they did the first time, she goes to her handmaid. Here's Zilpah. Take her. Give me children through her. So now Jacob's stuck with four wives, right? And they just keep piling on. Can you not feel Sacramento? You can be with your Hansel's not married yet, but you can bear with me. Can you imagine four of them? And they're all fighting all the time. Or at least two of the four, right? Because the two were sisters. The handmaids may have tried to stay out of it, right? Uh, I don't know. But can you imagine being stuck in the middle of fighting women? Now, there's an old saying, and I don't remember it, but I know it's something about a woman's fury, right? There's nothing like it. And here we go. He's stuck between two of them, which are constantly fighting. So she goes through her own period of infertility, lightly curbing her scorn of Rachel. In other words, because of the way she was treating Rachel, God said, oh, you're not going to bear anymore right now either. No, no. We'll see. And the handmaids continue to have their role in producing children. So now the children, there's four children that belong to two of the handmaids, right? So each of them had two kids. 
We're going to go through all these numbers at the end because this is how many tribes we're up to. We'll get to, well, we'll see. We'll get there in a minute. Gad. Gad means good fortune. She says a troop comes. A troop. It means good fortune or a troop. That's what Gad means. So she basically tells you what it means. The Bible tells you what it means as she's naming him. Then she has another son. She calls his name Asher. What does she say about him? I am happy for the daughters will call me blessed. Well, Asher's name actually means fortunate, happy, or a fortress. And somewhere in there, I don't write the full definitions because some of them are kind of long. There's a bless there too, which is exactly what she's saying when she names her son Asher. The names reflect the tension of the family. Well, now that I've had another son through Zilpah, the troop's coming. I'm going to have more, right? It's all in this, about this competition. Who's going to get ahead of the other one, right? And it, it's really a, I mean, sibling rivalry, sisters, brothers, it doesn't matter. In this case, it's sisters constantly quarreling, constantly fighting. Poor Jacob stuck in the middle. Here's what happens. Genesis 30, verse 14. Now Reuben, remember this is the oldest, this was Leah's kid. Now Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, please give some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, therefore, he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. They're bargaining on who's going to get Jacob for the evening. Think about the text when you read it. This is what's going on in this fight. Now, here's the deal with mandrakes. What are mandrakes? So, well, it's a type of fruit, I believe, is what we found. A mandrake is native to the Mediterranean region, but is not common in Mesopotamia, which is where we believe all this is taking place. So some theologians don't even believe it was actually mandrakes he found, that it was something similar. But most say, no, he just happened to find some. Maybe that's why it was so important. Mandrakes clearly are considered by Leah as a way to, let's just say, give drive. Let's say it that way. To the husband, to her, you eat these things. They believe it's a way to fertility. It's a way to have more kids. We're keeping it PG here. But that's what they believe in the mandrakes, what seems to be indicated. It's a type of fruit. It was a plant. You could eat it. And the belief was, much like many fruits today, that it gave you that drive. All right? Keeping it clean. Genesis 30. So that's what mandrakes are. Why are they fighting over them? Because it's believed that they think these will help with bearing more kids. So they're going to fight about it. So now, not only are they fighting about the mandrakes, they're bargaining Jacob. Did you notice that? I, I know I brought it up. Jacob's like, she's like, I'm going to trade you these mandrakes. You can have them tonight, right? Mm. <laughs> you see where I'm getting a dysfunctional family? Here we go. Genesis 30, 16. When Jacob came out of the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, you must come into me, for I surely have hired you <laughs> with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. Here's the deal. Check out what happens. Remember, we said the mandrakes were believed to be a way to maybe get more kids, right? Um, so now we notice in verse 17, and God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. We'll talk about it more in a minute. Verse 18, Leah said, God has given me my wages because I have given my maid to my husband. So she called his name Issachar. 
Then Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. Verse 21. Afterwards, she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. Now, why are we going through all this, Pastor? Well, it's important to the story. Check it out here. Ironically, what I was trying to point out a minute ago is, ironically, Rachel's the one that took the mandrakes, but Leah's the one that ends up getting pregnant. All right? She ends up getting another kid out of the deal because she gets a night with her husband. Right? Ironically, the night with Jacob that Rachel exchanges for mandrakes brings renewed fertility to Leah rather than giving Rachel a child. Rachel is still literally childless. Now, she's claiming two kids through her handmaid to try to clear her name, but she's still childless at this point. Issachar, what does Issachar mean? Remember, Issachar was the first one that Leah experienced after this time. It says, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six. Oh, I'm sorry, that's Zebulun. Jump back up there. God has given me my wages because I have given my maid to my husband. Issachar actually means he brings wages to hire, to be rewarded. She feels that God is rewarding her because of her handmaid, right? So she feels being rewarded, so she names his name Issachar, or God's given me my wages. Zebulun, what does Zebulun mean? This is the one I was reading a second ago. God's endowed me, surely my husband will dwell with me, because I've borne six sons to him. Zebulun means wished for, ha wished for habitation or dwelling. So she's believing that now she's given him six children, sons, we'll say, that he's going to dwell with her. Remember, she's always fighting for attention. We've talked about this over the last few weeks. Because she, remember, she was kind of given to Jacob when he was really wanting to marry Rachel. And there was a whole mess there. So Jacob never actually loved Leah as much as he loved Rachel. So this is what Leah is constantly battling with. While at the same time, Rachel's struggling with the fact that she can't have kids. At least yet. So then she had a daughter... Which is Dinah, which is the same meaning along lines of the word Dan, which means judged, vindicated, justice, she who is judged. We don't read much about Dinah until we get to a later story of something that happens, and we'll talk about that when we get to it. Verse 22 there in Genesis, as we get ready to wrap up today's section, we're going to talk about. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. So she called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add me another son. Now, what is going on with Joseph? So Rachel, at this point, finally gets pregnant herself, which completes the process of erasing her public disgrace. She's no longer disgraced because she's barren. She's had a kid. So now she's been relieved there. The history here ends not with all the children being born, because there's still yet another son coming. But the history here stops after Rachel has her first child. So the history here ends not with the children being born, but when Rachel finally conceives. This is suggesting that the issue here is that Rachel is barren, not extending the family tree. It's more, likely, more than likely that... For their audience's sake, not the covenant, Joseph becomes an important part of the real story later, or real soon. So, why do we stop with Rachel having a child? 
It wasn't necessarily a part of the covenant God had promised Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. But it was more for the audience's sake so they could see because we noticed. You guys remember Joseph. We talked about Joseph last December. He's the child that she just had. He's the one that rules over Egypt. He, he becomes a very important part of where Israel goes in the future. What does Joseph mean? Joseph means may God add. He shall add or increasing. And we notice the increase as it begins to take place more and more. So now we have 11 children out of the 12 tribes of Israel. Some people that may be big news because you're like, you were always wondering, why is there 12 tribes of Israel? What is this? What is that? How does that explain to me? Well, here's the deal. The 12 tribes of Israel, Jacob's name is going to eventually here probably within the next couple of weeks when we get to a change to Israel. 12 tribes, 12 sons. The first son was Reuben from Leah, Simeon, Levi, Judah. All those are Leah's kids. Then you had Dan and Naphtali from Bilhah. You have Gad and Asher from Zilpah. And then you have Issachar, Zebulun, Philaiah, and now you have Joseph. That's 11 of the 12. But they think that the reason it's done this way is because they're wanting to focus here on Rachel's barrenness and how God did end up blessing Rachel with a son. And she does get another one. She does die in his birth, but she gets another son. And that's Benjamin. We'll talk about him when we get to him. Um, that's all I want to do this week. Remember, we're on a history lesson. Today, I wanted to kind of... Discuss for those of you who didn't know where the 12 tribes of Israel came from. We're going to lead more into that, especially after the 12th son comes. How was Abraham going to have all of these kids? Remember, God said the number, if you can number the stars or the sand on the seashore, that will be the number of your descendants. And it, with the two twins and then Isaac, there's three. How do you get a tribe? Well, now we know. Four wives, Jacob, 12 sons, who begin branching off into their own families. And you're going to notice that number grows and grows and grows. And that's where we get those 12 tribes. Thank you so much for tuning online. I want to go ahead and dismiss you this morning before we have prayer time here. If you're tuning online, you're looking at me right now, and you're saying, you know, I've never received Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. That is the place where your journey starts. You just simply ask. You say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death, that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart, be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. And that's where your journey begins. Pray that prayer. You made it from the bottom of your heart. I want to say congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. What here's what I want you to do next. Go ahead and go to nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. Go to the upper left corner. Click the menu button. All the way to the right side of the drop box, there's a link that says the road to new life. Click on that link. It'll take you to a separate website that I created in college, which walks you through the steps and the process of salvation. You follow each page in order. You get to the bottom, there's a contact form. Make sure you send me a contact. I would love to know that you received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior today. Then your next step is you need to find yourself a good church home where you can grow in your relationship with God and be discipled, which is what the Bible is calling us to do. Thank you so much for tuning online this morning. We're going to continue this series next week, and we'll talk more about that when we get there. Thank you so much for tuning online. God bless. I'll see you next week.